2: Hi there, I'm Zach Graff, And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. Twenty years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time,
1: This
3: is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. You've probably always wanted to learn an instrument, right? Let Yousician be your guide. It is an amazing app that
4: is your personal music tutor. It's the best way to learn, practice, and master an instrument. And it listens to you play and gives you feedback in real time on your accuracy and your timing. Become the musician you've always wanted to be. Visit Yousician.com slash words to try Yousician with a 20% discount using the code WORDS. This thing is amazing. Try it out. You'll love it.
3: How are you doing? Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. We're hanging out here. Actually, I'm recording this a little in advance because when I release the episode, I will be in a plane going to Cincinnati, Ohio. Which, uh, you know, isn't the most glamorous city in the world. Sorry if you're from Cincinnati. But, uh, you know, doing some work stuff there over a couple of days. So if you get this and you listen to the podcast on like, you know, a Wednesday or Thursday, hit me up because I'd love to hang in the evenings, you know. So, yeah, hit me up. X Purpose X. you can find me on pretty much any social media network. So, anyways, that's that. But we have a guest this week and he is Isaac Hale from Knocked Loose and frankly more importantly sorry don't don't mean to throw any shade on knock loose because i do like them very much but inclination inclination is a very very good straight edge hardcore band uh from louisville which that's where you know knock loose is from but uh they put out a ep on pure noise records recently they also have an incredible demo Isaac is the brainchild behind this thing, and oh my gosh, it it ticks off so many boxes for me personally. I feel like I'm, I'm targeted. I feel like this band was specifically created for me, and that is a beautiful thing, but more on him in a moment. Let's talk about rockabilia.com. You need to order your merch and use the code PCJabberJaw that gets you 10% off your order. They have half a million items. That's 500,000 items, hoodies, long sleeves, whatever you could possibly want, they have. Fast shipping, great customer service. I can't say enough positive things about this company, but I will because you need to order from it right away. Please, drop what you're doing. Check out their their amazing store. They have everything imaginable from basically any band you could probably wrap your head around. So go to Rockabilia.com, get yourself 10% off by using the code PCJabberJaw. I love what they do, so thank you for the support, Rockabilia. Before I talk about uh, more about Isaac, and, uh, you know, well, first of all, if you're here, thank you for listening to the show, because uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, recent subscribers to this thing and more uh, traction. The only way, the true, truest way for this show to spread around to enough people is by personal recommendations, okay? So tell one of your friends, you know, maybe your best friend, maybe a, you know, other person who is interested in independent music, please tell them, because that's the only way that this thing gets out to more and more people, and uh i really really enjoy when people find a thing because then they are like oh my gosh there's like 6 years worth of shows that i can get into and i'm like that's that's why we're here that's why i'm doing what i am doing it's it's evergreen content people okay so tell your friends on a somewhat well yeah i guess it's sobering it just it's weird so i feel weird today because <clears throat> i am recording this on a on monday And uh, for those of you that have followed the show for quite some time, know that my wife has gone through some struggles with, sorry, this gets me a little choked up, but she was diagnosed with cancer many years ago. Uh, Well, not many, like around two, two and a half years ago, went through chemotherapy, you know, went through some surgeries. Um, She's been doing really, really well. Um, Everything is okay, but we're in this testing phase right now where this morning she got a test and uh, now we have to wait for, you know, a day. two days maybe for us to kind of get the results. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, nothing to worry about or this is something to worry about. And um, let me tell you, I, uh, I I hate this. I hate this feeling. And uh, for those of you that, you know, have gone through any sort of medical scares or testing, you, like you know what I'm talking about. It's just that uh, anxiety that kind of, it's like you you exist in your body and you kind of go throughout your your day like you normally would. But, you know, in the back of your head, you're just like, gosh, I want to know like right now I have to be patient. I have to be calm. I have to live in the present because otherwise it just kind of swallows you up. But, um, yeah, so please, you know, hopefully by Wednesday when you are listening to this thing that uh, I'll be able to share on the following episode that there is nothing to worry about. That's what I want to share with you. You know, whether that happens or not is a different story, but regardless, I will keep you up to date. And, um, Thank you for listening to me because that's, uh, you know, we're, we're all humans in this this weird world. And when we share our experiences, I think um, more positive things come out of it than negative things. And there's no way that I could sit here on this microphone and uh, tell you that I'm in like the best mood possible. I am excited to share this conversation with you that I had with Isaac. But, um, you know, it's 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 that weird feeling. So, yeah, that's that. It's weighing heavy on me. But anyways, Isaac Hale, like I said, love his band's uh, love what he does. I, I just, I had to get him on and we were able to do this over Skype basically right before they left on tour. Um, and some of you, you ask, you're like, why don't you do more in-person interviews? A lot of it is just scheduling. You know, it's really, really difficult to sometimes get out to a show. And then plus, if I'm interviewing people at a show, it's sometimes a really chaotic environment and it's really, really difficult to, um, You know kind of get in an environment in which it is somewhat controlled and people aren't walking in on us all the time so anyway sometimes that's just it's just easier and i want to get the show out to you because i think these conversations i'm having with people are still really meaningful it's not like i'm losing anything really um connectivity wise with these people because you know people are sharing about their lives and i think that can happen you know across different mediums so anyways we chatted with isaac and it we no i did (laughs) But I am bringing it to you. So here is Isaac, and uh, I'll talk to you, of course, after the episode.
4: And like I said over email when I reach out to you, uh, you know, inclination was one of those things where it's just like you—you you know what it's like when you discover a band, like someone keys you into it, and you're just like, "Oh, dude, I think this was made specifically for me as a human being." Like, I, like I just like I felt I felt so targeted in the best way possible. Where I was like, "Oh man, like I love I, I'm Edge. I, I like to sing about it, ed- you know, That's straight so edge scary. things." And I just, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> So That's I, an
5: thank you. I appreciate
4: that. I you're, really do. You are welcome. Um, and I think part of it too, why I enjoyed it so much is that I get, um, it, it, you know, cause I mean, clear I'm 38 years old. So like I am, you know, an adult, whatever that means. But the idea that, you know, younger people are, you know, picking up the torch in so many different respects and specifically to that style of music and message, um, you know, was it? Uh, I'm guessing that that was kind of your uh, sort of jumping off point, where it was just like, "Hey, this is the type of music I really enjoy," and you know, I am straight edge myself, and I just want to like put this out there in the most, you know, uh, I guess, kind of aggressive way possible. Um, I, I guess, walk me through your like your headspace is basically just a, a fun project for you to do.
5: Yeah, uh, it was. Um, so I'm consistently writing music pretty much all the time, whether it's for, uh, my other band Knock loose or inclination or anything else. I'm, I'm always putting stuff down. This band was actually the first record that we put out a couple years back, um, was actually a, uh, it was actually just something that I was putting down myself. I just felt inspired to write in a certain style. Uh, specifically I was kind of, I was listening to a lot of like um, kind of early strife stuff and, um, you know, that, that's, that era of hardcore, that era of straight edge hardcore. And I was feeling inspired to write something. And that actually, I wrote the entire thing. And that is, then that turned into inclination. It wasn't written as inclination, okay. it was written as, man, I'm feeling really inspired to write. <laughs> I'm I'm feeling really inspired to write this stuff right now. And so I wrote that entire first record. And then my good friend Tyler was like, um, he was like, hey, this should be the straight edge band we always wanted to start. And he put vocals on it. And that's when it started to actually turn into what it is today, I think.
4: Nice, nice. I I love that idea of of you just sitting there listening to in this defiance and being like, you know what, like, I think we I want to write something that's like modeled after this.
5: That was literally what it was. That was what it was. I was listening to a lot of stuff from that era. I was just like, "God damn, this is so fucking sick. This is like uh, this is like straight edge crazy music. It's is what it is. It's just crazy straight edge music." And I felt so inspired by it, and I still do. And uh, that's what inspired that record, and is what inspired inclination to what it what be what it is now.
4: Nice, nice. That and I, I do like that because it is. Um... It really is just that that pure expression of a person getting influenced by not only a record, but a sound and a time and a place. And usually, usually those things predate, you know, you where it's like, I mean, yes, of course, like you can see Strife, you know, any day of the week now because they play out a decent amount. But that that idea, like there was a band and I'm sure you're familiar with the band Excessive Force. Like, oh, for
5: sure. I mean, that's another one of one of the one of my favorite straight edge records for sure. Right.
4: <laughs> and like, I, yeah. And I I mean, I never got to see them myself, even though they exist in Southern California, I just started to go to shows after they had broken up. But it's that feeling of listening to it and being like, oh, man, like this is this is so hard. I want to like exist in this world. Oh, yeah.
5: Excessive force is I feel excessive force is like even another step forward or totally. it's it's so mean that they don't even know what they're saying really they just know that it's straight edge and that it's mean and it's just <laughs> so badass it's just it's like straight edge killing people music really <laughs> totally really what's
4: it? It, and it, it is funny you bring you label it like that because it definitely is something that you know what if you listen to it when you're 15 or 16 years old you clearly think you're like the hardest person of all time
5: oh for sure yeah but
4: but then to your point it is probably not probably it is this like caricature of like what you know like there's no way i mean i'm speaking for myself like you know i've never beat anybody up because they're not straight edge you know
5: (laughs) oh no 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 very much not
4: yeah, No, that's that's cool. But I, I it's funny because I, I put almost all of these uh, impressions in my head of like where you were when you were writing that, you know, because I presume you're talking about the five song demo that you put out. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, like, I almost could have like, ta- like delivered a, a script to you of all of those things that you just told me, and you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah I exactly. agree with that.
5: <laughs> exactly. So- you know what? Which part of the song rips off which part of this other song? Sure. You right. Just yeah. And the
4: heart, the 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 harvest homage you have in there as <laughs> well.
5: Oh, for sure, dude. <laughs> for sure. No, that's- funny. Funny story about that. So I was uh, at this is hardcore, and Harvest was playing. And legitimately, I like a couple Harvest songs and that's it. Uh, Straight up, I watched that. This is hardcore set. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm having a good time. I'm in there. And they started playing Epicure. And I literally gave uh, my girlfriend my bag and I was just like, hold on, I'll be right back. And I moshed to that part and then came back (laughs) just to say that I moshed to the part that I ripped off. And it was it was an ultimate moment for me, dude. I love I love that. I uh,
4: I had the opportunity to tour with uh, Season of Fire, which was Dave's band. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. It was funny because like they did not make any bones about the fact that they, you know, clearly came from harvest. They actually covered Epicure every night of the tour and it was really, so, Oh dude. Wow. And it was so funny because like, you know, people heard about this in advance. And so there were people who were like, yeah, season of fire songs. Cool. But then the moment they played Epicure, like you said, it was basically like, you know, all of a sudden 40 people came out of the woodworks yeah. and just mopped yeah, them. Let's that song.
5: fucking go. Like, <laughs> let's go. Now's yeah.
4: the time. <laughs> no, totally. Totally. That's cool. Um, so kind of, you know, reflecting on you as a person, um, were you, you know, did you kind of come up in the same, um, I mean, I know you came up in the same scene as, you know, Brian and everything like that, but like, were yeah. you born and raised in, in Louisville? I mean, I know you guys rep Oldham County and, well, you know, yes, so, walk, walk, walk me through, uh, your, your, uh, your upbringing from that perspective.
5: Yeah. So, um, I'll kind of give you the gist of it. Uh, basically I, ever since I was a little kid, like little, little kid, I always, what like music was the path i wanted to take i started taking like piano playing guitar playing drums at a really young age i started doing all of it real young and uh, my dad was also super into it cuz he was kind of a of a a metal guy metal adjacent guy so um growing up uh i always wanted to play in a band play music i was super into metal i was a metal guy first um i didn't come Into hardcore through punk, I came into hardcore through metal, and so I was listening to a lot of like Metallica and Slayer and fucking, uh, you know, like Cannibal Corpse, obnoxious shit. You know, Uh, like I was into everything. There there wasn't much that I didn't like. And then um, I'm actually younger, way younger than all the rest of the dudes in Knock loose The the rest of the dudes, I'm 21 years old and most members of Knockloose are a couple years older than me. Um basically what happened was I found myself um how I got into hardcore was basically my uh my dad was a metal guy and my mom was a baptist christian gal and so (laughs) they don't they don't mix too well really so uh i was listening to all this hard ass stuff this death metal stuff all this you know all this shit and she was not too stoked on it a lot of the time and uh so basically what i would do to solve this problem is when i was like somewhere between 10, 13, 14, between those areas, I would buy these comps and they would be like Christian metal and hardcore comps. Of course. And so when she was like, oh, I don't like you listening to this stuff, I'd be like, but you have to like it. It's Christian. See, read the, read the label. Like I, I found the loophole so that you can't be mad at me. So basically through that, through like face down comps, solid state comps, uh there was a couple bands on that. I think it's the only for the strong comp. Oh yeah. Uh, totally. Uh basically I started listening to bands like Zao, No Innocent Victim, Figure Four, uh, Combat Kid, stuff like that. Even like Metalcore stuff like Haste the Day, like shit like that. I was super into all of that stuff. And through that, um I started getting into playing shows with my friends with my friends, playing in bands. I've actually been playing music with two of the dudes in Knock Loose, uh, two or three of the dudes in Knock Loose ever since I was like 13 or 14. And I was like the high school kid that they hung out with while they were all graduated. And so it was kind of weird because they would hang out with me and I was way younger. So I was basically this way younger kid that was playing music uh, with these older guys. And it wasn't specifically hardcore. It was like there was a couple bands that I was aware of, you know, that were hardcore bands, but I wasn't really aware about the hardcore scene until about thirteen or fourteen, when the bands that I was in started playing with Louisville hardcore bands like Another Mistake and Damage Goods and Ill Advised that were around at the time. And so, around thirteen or fourteen, I really started discovering hardcore and uh, discovering going to shows, and I really started going to shows around early high school and uh i just kind of dove straight into it because once knock loose started playing around 2014 ish 2015 ish i just started going to every show and started making friends and the midwest has a really really tight community of people that have shows and uh you know just hang out and all that so uh around 13 or 14 i really really started listening to hardcore and uh and playing it and being aware of it hardcore you know as it is mm. and um, yeah. uh, it was really really cool it was a really positive experience because louisville and the midwest in general has a very tight-knit community of people there's very little uh elitism or judgment from older heads so i had a lot of people that were a positive light to me just showing me bands showing me the way um, showing me the cool stuff to listen to, you know, teaching me about the past, teaching me about other hardcore bands and new old hardcore bands. And it was just, it was a very positive and exciting time for me coming up. I I can't say enough good things. And I'm still feeling that today because I mean, I'm only 21 and I know probably realistically hardcore is such a, there's so many bands. There's such a vast community that there's so much to learn. And I still feel like I'm learning new stuff every day. So, um, yeah, ever since I found it, uh, since I was like 13, 14 years old, I've been so obsessed with it. And, uh, I've been blessed to be around a really, really cool tight knit community of friends that are willing to show me, um, new bands and, uh, you know, bring bands into Louisville to play shows. And so, it was a very, very positive upbringing into that style of music, and I'm still super grateful about that.
4: Yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I, I appreciate you laying it out like that. There's a few things I wanted to pick out in there. Where, your, course. Uh, um, uh, so you, you, do you have brothers or sisters?
5: I have one younger brother, yeah.
4: Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, And so the, I mean, the description that you had of your parents, you know, very uh, oil and water in regards to like, so was your, was your dad like not religious whatsoever?
5: No, 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 no. My parents and my parents get along fine. They were both religious. It was, it was both great, but my dad was always like, he liked dad. Stuff you know, he liked he liked <laughs> yeah. he liked Jimi Hendrix and Metallica sure. and Led Zeppelin and Sabbath. And then when I started getting to leaning into that world, he embraced it. He was like, "Oh yeah!" And my dad and me, um, kind of grew into more aggressive music together. I would show him bands; he would show me bands, and we kind of grew in that. We kind of grew in that aspect together, where. We would show each other music and it was really exciting. We were basically getting into the same music at the same time. And to this day, he's into a bunch of hardcore and I'm into a bunch of hardcore because of each other. So it was a real cool back and forth that still exists to this day. And that's really, really cool. And my mom is not, she's not, she's a mom, you know? She's, she's, she's protected. She's your classic, like, Oh, the music's great. You know, I wish I could understand what they were saying. You know, you you know, the type of thing that I'm talking about. She's incredible. My parents are perfect and supportive and great. But my dad was the heavy music guy. My mom was the Christian contemporary gal. And that's still the way it is, I think.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that, that, um, yeah, that dichotomy, I wasn't meaning to paint it as like, Oh, your parents were constantly fighting because no, no,
5: no, no. Yeah. I know you didn't mean it that way, but it's like a pretty common situation, I feel like, where the mom is into, you know, what, what, like Hillsong United. Right. And then the, the dad is just jamming Jimi Hendrix super loud.
4: Sure, sure. No, I, I mean, it, it is cool because the, usually that, that bonding does not, you, does not happen um, from a musical perspective. Cause usually the kids look at the music that the parents listen to as like, unequivocally lame, especially once they are of an age where they can, you know, maybe have their own influences, you know, whatever, 10, 11, 12. But it's just rad that you were getting dialed into a lot of this stuff. And, you know, I could easily see you being like, Hey dad, check out, uh, you know, check out Butchered at Birth. Like this is a pretty good record.
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. And my dad is way more like clocked in than people think. Like my dad showed me the band power trip when I was young, he showed me power trip because he was like, hey, you know how we like thrash, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, there's this band that sounds exactly like that, but it's out now. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, check it out. And that's literally how that happened. And that happens to this day. Like even now, I'll show him music and he'll show me music. And and we can have discussions about music, not in like a dad versus son way, but like a hardcore kid to... To musician way, you know, that's not like that doesn't feel like I'm teaching him about a world that's completely alien. And that was a really, really cool relationship that I still have with my dad that I think inspired me to be how I am today with music. and all all the music that my parents showed me growing up, I was still into. i'm I'm I was never. A dude that thought that the music they listened to was lame, really. Because I'm super, I'm a super open book, and I'm super open to everything. So, my dad showed me a bunch of shit growing up, like Jimi Hendrix, Robert Johnson, Stevie Ray Vaughan, like all that stuff, and I still love all of that music. Like, I was never the only hardcore kid, only metal kid guy. I was just constantly taking everything in and enjoying all of it always, and that's still pretty much how I am today. So. Sure.
4: Sure. No, I honestly, the thing that you said in there that is really telling to me is you were like your, your dad bringing you power trip and it's like, Hey, you know how we like thrash? Like that's yeah. just such a, You know, I I can't think of any other word besides like adorable where it's just like, oh, yeah,
5: it's so cute. It it was so it was so wholesome It's so cool. And he still gets that way about new bands. And it's so sick because we just we relate the music now that we listen to to the music we listened to when we were younger. And he has his taste and I have my.
6: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
5: taste and we have shared tastes. And, uh, it was a really, really positive experience for me. And I'm really, really glad that I'm able to have that relationship with him. Man.
4: Yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, what, what does your parents do for uh, a living? Or my do dad
5: is, my dad is a, uh, software programmer. Uh, he's a computer programmer with uh, Bentley systems. And my mom is a, uh, she's actually a teacher at an alternative high school. Um, got it. So yeah, very different jobs. My dad works from home, so we get to hang out all the time. Uh, and my mom just works at the school down the road. So we're, whenever we're home, whenever I'm home from touring, we get to hang out all the time. And it's, it's awesome.
3: I'm excited to partner up with Sirius XM because they bring you the deepest variety of commercial free music for every genre and every single mood. Now, most of you know what Sirius XM is, but did you know that you can listen to this outside the car. So right now you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com slash words to see the offer details and subscribe. So I, I can't tell you how much I love Sirius XM. I've been a subscriber for many, many years. They've got amazing, amazing stations for music, great talk radio and profiles from that perspective. And for $1, you can listen to Sirius XM on your phone, at home, and online. So, anywhere you are, any time of the day, you can hear your favorite songs or discover new ones. Go to Sirius, S I R I U S slash words and get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for $1. Of course, you got to see the offer details, and the offer is available to new Sirius XM subscri- streaming subscribers. Sirius XM, no car required. Get into this. This is such an amazing offer for so much, so much good music. Okay. Please dive in and you will enjoy it. Okay. Now on with the show.
4: And so it, it sounds like, you know, when you were getting exposed to music, like it was a very early age and you always had this real, um, you know, large, uh, experience within getting exposed to a bunch of bands and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, you really, you know, dove into it once, you know, knock loose started to play as far as like the hardcore scene was concerned. Um Yes. Like, did did you were uh, like, did your dad take you to like your first hardcore show or like, you know, what what was that scenario? My dad
5: took me before I could drive. My dad took me and attended every show with me.
4: (laughs) That's so cool. He
5: took me, attended every show, and he was up front with me, like hanging out with me. I remember like specifically for an example, he went to see a Twitching Tongues show with me because we both really, really liked twitching tongues and he was up front singing the lyrics to twitching tongue songs with me. (laughs) And, uh, my dad is in, my dad's in a wheelchair. Um, he's been in a wheelchair since he was about 21 years old, I think. Um, and he never let that stop him at all. (laughs) And, uh, so he's just out in the front, like, Fucking rocking out to twitching tongues, like while I'm also doing that. And at one point, I go to the back and he's still up there, and there's like a mosh part that happens, and he gets knocked over in his wheelchair. And of course, I freak out, and I'm like, oh my God, my dad, like, oh my God. And I go over there to like, I pick him back up, pick his wheelchair up. And I'm like, oh, you okay? We got to go. He's like, no, fuck that. I got to stay like that was sick. And there was just so many times when adorable shit like that happened. Like he came not so much anymore, but back in the day when I first started coming to shows, he would literally he went to every show with me and he'll still talk about some of the shows that we went to together. Like we saw Cruel Hand together. We saw Twitching Tongues together. We saw all these shows together. And there's a million stories I could tell, but yeah, he would take me to shows and we would go to them together and we would come back together. And then, uh, once I started driving, um, he started chilling at home a lot more, but he's still totally into it. And, uh, yeah, for the first couple of years, we were a package deal where he would be there and I would be there and we would just be both be hanging out. And to this day, a bunch of people, um, that, are in the hardcore scene now, just are always like, Hey, I hope your dad's doing okay. He used to come out all the time. And I was just like, yeah, he still loves it. He's just, you know, a little bit busier now, but yeah, he used to come to every show, man. And it was always sick.
4: Yeah. Him. No, it's, it, it's cool. Cause not, not only is that not common for most people to have that experience, but then on top of that, you know, like you, you mentioned your dad's in a wheelchair, so it's like I could easily see him becoming that sort of, fixture of a scene where it's just like oh yeah dude like Isaac's dad's rolling out like yeah (laughs)
5: exactly that's how that's how my parents were for a really long time because I you know live with my parents and my house was also the house uh where bands stay so we would go to these shows and we would always put up the bands in our house like me and my dad would yeah who, who, who stayed there oh my god dude so just many. just a few just a few because that's I, just, I find that so funny so yeah it's cool i mean a bunch of bands that are out now like Vane, has stayed at my house a million times right. like fucking, you know like all of my friends band like like oh i mean it's a lot of it is like bands smaller bands but it was like sure. Vane stayed here spitback stayed here uh, my friend's band i disappear stayed here that's all right uh like, Upright stayed here, like fucking like it's Left Behind stayed here. Like it's so many that I can't even begin to describe. Sanction, Detriment, a bunch of the Long Island bands all stayed here. A bunch of the Philly bands, Jesus Peace, they stayed here. Like <laughs> pretty much endless amounts of bands have been inside my living room. And me and my dad would always just put up these bands. And um, my house is also the the practice spot um, we, me and my dad built a, we had a garage that we weren't using and we built a studio kind of makeshift studio practice space in there. Mm -hmm. Um, that, uh, has like all this equipment set up and, uh, I record bands out of here. I record a bunch of the Louisville bands and I mix and master stuff. And, uh, so yeah, bands have always practiced at my house too. And, recorded stuff at my house bands will record with me and then get me to send it out to mix and master so it was kind of just like a little a little Isaac and my dad hub right that <laughs> hardcore hub that we kind of created and um yeah it was really really cool man it was really exciting and it's still exciting and a lot of it doesn't exist as much anymore because I'm just gone all the time right I'm gone. Like Knock Loose tours about eight months out of the year, so bands don't really get the chance to stay, you know, anymore. Less bands practice at my spot, but it still very much exists to this day and uh, has for quite some time.
4: Yeah, well, I think the the thing that you hit on, and I think so many scenes have this where it's just like, oh yes, like when you roll through town. And you are, you know, maybe just one person removed away from Isaac. Like, you know, you hit him up and you stay with him. And like, those yeah. those hubs are really integral to, you know, keeping the scene like healthy and like the fact that bands can come through there. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, exactly. Louisville's clearly, you know, a very musical town and always has been and has always had a strong independent music scene. But still, like having those. Uh, you know, having those abil- having the ability to put bands up and then obviously have them have shows, like uh, putting that all together is a really, really difficult thing to sustain. So it's just cool that you were able to, you know, do that alongside the support of your dad. It's just really
5: for sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like to this day, and I don't want anyone to get this twisted up at all, I feel extremely like humbled and blessed to have the upbringing that I did. I know that I am in a minority and I feel super lucky because I know a lot of people that are in positions nowhere near that. So I always wanted to do my best to help out bands and help other bands get out there, help other bands record, give bands a place to stay, cook them fucking pancakes in the morning or fucking whatever Like I would do. Like, I would always do that because I knew that I was in a good spot like i've I've always been in a good spot, like in a good position where I liked what was going on, where I was lucky, because some people you know some people have parents that are the opposite of supportive, and everything is going against them, you know, and you know so sometimes I feel like, why do I deserve this upbringing, why do I deserve this?" but I've always done my best to try to never take it for granted and use what I have in front of me and to create positive experiences for myself and for everyone and to try to grow Louisville and try to, um, you know, grow, you know, the music scene around me as, you know, as well as I can. And I think that I've done the best I can in that regard. And I hope to keep doing that, you know?
4: Yeah, no, it's really cool. I, I, I appreciate you <laughs> walking me through that cause it, it is important and it's cool that you have that perspective. Um, yeah. so I, I guess kind of in turn, when did, uh, you know, considering your, you know, your location to, you know, a cool independent music scene, when did, uh, I guess kind of straight edge kind of come into your radar?
5: So, um, when I was young, uh, I knew about Straight Edge. I think the first band that introduced me to Straight Edge was uh, a very relevant band in 2019, which is Have Heart. Yes. Um, Have Heart was the band that everybody liked. And it was metalcore kids, indie kids, like uh, hardcore kids. They all wore Have Heart sweatshirts. And they were all like kids that didn't listen to that much hardcore even. It, It was like all Have Heart. I was introduced to them. I was introduced to videos of their last show, introduced you know, to their music at a very young age, um, considering. And I found out about Straight Edge them. And that's when the idea of Straight Edge always came into my life. And um, it kind of coincided with the fact that when I was young, and playing in bands. Uh, a lot of the bands that I was in when I was about 14, 15, around that era, like coming into high school, whatever, freshman year, sophomore year, uh, a lot of the bands I was in were filled with party people that were in college or that age. So I was the 15 year old hanging around the 21 year olds. Um, and I would be in circles where alcohol and, you know, all that, you know, I don't need to get into that. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. But just like where all of that stuff was involved. And it always made me uh, very uncomfortable. Um, I was always – it was never something that I was into at all. And I was kind of looking for a name to put on that. You know, I think I never really understood why I felt the way that I felt. And so Straight Edge always made sense to me and really resonated with me from a young age. But I was actually – Afraid to claim because I was afraid of uh I was afraid of getting made fun of because you know there's a lot of people that would make fun of a seventeen year old claiming edge, you know like yep oh dude, that doesn't fuck it like it doesn't mean anything like what are <laughs> right. you talking about dude like there's still people I know that are like that, a lot less so now, but you know, but I was afraid to claim um and then when I was like 18 years old, I felt the decision to actually make the decision to start speaking out about it. Um, and it's always felt good and correct since. So, uh, well,
4: yeah, I, no, pre- of- I, I, no, I was just going to say, I appreciate you walking me through that. Cause I, I do think that there is that, especially once you have like, you know, labeled yourself as such. And like, there's this, uh, you know it's when you are involved in uh, you know that youth culture movement and then you start to you know you go to shows and you know people start talking about sellouts and people who aren't this anymore and like you start to realize the uh, you know importance that is placed on um not only the label but the way that people react to others who either do or do not have that label and it's such yeah. it's such a loaded thing that exactly that i do understand the Uh, reticence that you have (laughs) because yeah it's like I mean I think I started claiming edge when I was 15 and I I, like I, I wasn't getting judged but I definitely had people who were just like like, well, of course you're not going to drink like you're 15. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No but shit. yeah, exactly. yeah, but there are many of my peers who are totally like, you know, fine getting drunk and, you know, clearly can get alcohol under the age of 21. Yeah,
5: exactly. I always thought, and that's always something I wanted to bring up to people. Like while I was, even when I was 17, it was like older kids giving you flax for being straight edge when you're so young. It's like, you can't even drink yet. I was just like, oh, I can drink. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I can fucking drink if I wanted to. Like, don't tell me I can't. I live in Kentucky,
4: uh, dude. Come on.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing to fucking do besides drink, dude.
4: Don't
5: yeah. got- start telling me that I can't find alcohol in, in Oldham County High School, you know, 30 minutes outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Like, really? <laughs>
4: totally. Uh, I, got, I got moonshine in a bathtub, dude.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, straight up. So, yeah, It. but I was. I was afraid because I cared about what people thought, and I was also – um afraid of what other people were doing alcohol and drugs and seeing it in my circle of friends made me uncomfortable um which i can you know we can cycle back to this later which is why the uh title track of our new record actually means a lot to me um it's actually like pretty deeper than that it's something that resonates with me today um but yeah i was afraid i was afraid of alcohol and I was afraid of substance abuse. I was afraid of people that did it. And, uh, I was afraid of being, uh, mocked for being straight edge when I was young. But when I learned to own it and learned to speak up for myself, um, I really felt like I came into my own and grew confidence in a, in a different way. And it's been a positive thing in my life ever since.
4: Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I, 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 Identify with that. I mean, be, yeah, there's no reason that me as a 38 year old person, like, ne, you know, needs to quote unquote claim edge <coughs> anymore. But at the same time, it's incredibly meaningful to me. And I still apply that label, even though adults don't need to do that because like you can just say you don't drink, but like clearly exactly clearly we've come up through this particular scene and this lens. And so there's no way that I would ever shed that label because uh, of all the things that you're talking about where it's just like, yeah, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable in this decision that I've made. And so yeah, I just I appreciate you walking me through that thought process, you know, as a as a younger person because that is a really uh, a difficult thing to, uh, you know, grasp and understand. And like you said, you know in the name of your EP that, you know, when fear turns to confidence, it's like, yeah, then you're just like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm edge. Of course. Like this is who I am.
5: Yeah. It's, it was just, it was like, like a coming of age thing. It was coming into my own and, and realizing that I needed to take action and, and, you know, and speak for myself. And it really did a positive thing for me. It made me feel a lot better. Um, yeah. And so I'm really, it was just, it was just growing into it. You know, it was kind of making that choice and, uh, learning that it was the right decision. Yeah, for sure.
4: Um, and so what, uh, what kind of, uh, once you were consumed by music, I mean, clearly, I mean, you've mentioned in other interviews where you're just like, yeah, I just, you know, I always wanted to play music and whatever that meant. That's what what I would follow. Um, was there any other sort of like path in regards to like, Hey, like, you know, maybe Isaac will, you know, be a veterinarian or so. Like, was there any, like, did you care about school or like, how was
5: that kind of, you know? There was, there There was nothing besides music. (laughs) There was nothing. And, and not that I sucked at school. I wasn't like an asshole. Like I wasn't a kid that was a dick to teachers. I've always been kind of socially awkward and nervous. And I would sit in the back and I would answer all the questions and I would be nice. And I was never a dick like that or someone that really sucked at school or anything. But um I had like posters on the wall of bands that I wanted to be like since I was a a child and I had a guitar in my hand and, you know, piano and all this sh- all this shit. And my mom tells me to this day, like, oh, I remember when you were eight years old, you would like look at a Metallica poster and you'd be like, I want to do that. <laughs> and that's all that there was. There was never any alternative and my parents, they accepted that. They just rolled with it. They were like, oh, okay. Um, because I, I guess I just wasn't having it. I wasn't having anything else. There was never an argument or like an awkward conversation. It was just like, well, I'm going to try to find a way to create an outlet where I can do this, you know, in any way possible. And so I was like, whether it's recording, I learned to record whether it's, you know, you know, like being in a band, I learned to be in a band, you know, and through that, through just trying and trying and trying over and over again, luckily, like incredibly, I found an outlet from a very, very young age to be able to do that. And uh, I, I'd feel like I just, I definitely worked for it, but I feel like I got extremely lucky because Um, to this day, I still can't really believe the position that I'm in. And I feel extremely, uh, grateful and lucky to be where I am now, where I get the chance to play music and, and make a living off of playing music. And, uh, it's something that I've literally never taken for granted. Uh, but there was, there was nothing other that I wanted to do. If Knock Loose ended right now, which is my main gig, there would just be something else and I would just start over. And as of right now, I could see myself going down other avenues of music, you know, possibly getting into more things than just playing in a band. But, mm-hmm. uh, it's still my, just my main goal in life is to do it. I've never, I've never had a grown up moment yet. You know, I'm only 21. I can't speak for myself a couple of years down the road, but sure, I've never had an inkling of a moment where I was like, yeah, there's, this is going to, and this is going to stop like I for all by all means, I can see myself being 45 and fucking, you know, <laughs> and just fucking, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's just he's still doing it, you know, you know, and just getting made fun of by every other 45 year old. But like, hey, I guess he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, well, I think and I've, just, I've always been inspired by older people that were in that situation. Like I was like, I, it just only made sense to me. Like, OK, Metallica is what, in their 50s, 60s now. And then I was like, you know, people would try to tell me like, hey, like, you know you just can't go do that, right? Like, you have to be a real human. And I would be like, but Metallica isn't. (laughs) So why do I have to? And and so, which is a stupid, like, (laughs) stupid way to reason that. But when I was a kid, that's what I thought, like, and... It just it has worked out, and I've been lucky enough to be where i am and so um you know music was always my thing, and I always wanted to continue with it and hardcore punk rock metal music is still my one love that I come back to every single time so
4: yeah yeah no no that's that's, that's cool i mean and i think to your point i think it's one of those things that you know even uh as you know your life evolves and changes where it's like you know whatever knock loose is not abandoned 3 years or whatever you would like you mentioned there would be something else that you would do in its place so it's like even if you're like oh yeah like you know they'll get a job but like i'll always be writing music and i'll always be recording and i think that oh for sure yeah right and i think cuz a lot of people you know, uh, look at that, and uh, would view in certain aspects like there, you know, there's there's a failure in there, but it's like no, like uh, you could be existing. It's a as,
5: chance. It's another chance for you to start something else.
4: Totally, and you can also say uh, the thing that makes me sad is when people, you know, leave their their passions by the wayside, and like you know, because they feel like they don't have the time, and you know, they're and understandably so, I get why people have to move on from certain aspects of their life, but. You still got to hold on to that thing, you know? Like yes, if you're sure. if you're super into building Legos, like, dude, don't give that up. Like
5: just Yeah, just fucking build the Legos, man. Like yeah, goddamn. Totally.
4: No, <laughs> totally, totally. Um so, you know, as as you started to get out there and, you know, tour and, you know, once Knock Loose became, you know, more of a I guess nationwide act as it were, um I guess for you, when did it kind of feel like it started to become more real? Was it, you know, the idea that once you signed a pure noise or like once you, you know, were doing your own headlining show, or it doesn't even have to be that, those like big check marks that bands have throughout their life? Um, you know, for you, when did it kind of be like, oh, wow, this is much bigger than anything I've ever experienced before?
5: So we um, did. You know, what every band, what every other band did, you know, at the time I was in, I was in a couple bands and uh, I've pretty much consistently been in a couple bands ever since I was young, even younger than I am now. But uh, Knock Loose was a band that I was in that I started with a bunch of my older friends and we were just doing what every other band did. You know, we put out a record At a local label, um, on a local label called Little Heart Records, which is an extremely important label for Louisville. Um, And we played, you know, a release show, played a bunch of local hardcore shows, and started doing some small tours. Um, You know, the first of which, obviously, nobody came. (laughs) Uh, The second of which, you know, a couple people came. And basically, The real turning point was um, my friend, uh, our friend Travis at the time, who was booking shows, was like, hey, if you guys want to be out on the road and you want to play, I'll book you. Just give me the thumbs up and I will book you shows. Like, I'll do it. And we were just like – for me, I was just like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Obviously, let's do it. Let's go now. And so – 2014 is when we played our, like 2013, 2014, we were playing our first shows. And then 2015, I was a senior in high school and I came to my parents and I was like, mom, dad, high school sucks. I want (laughs) to drop, I want to drop out of public school. I want to finish online, get my credits and tour all year. And they were like, well, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I dropped out of school in 2015 and finished, got my degree, uh, you know, graduated, excuse me. Um, and we toured like 10 months out of the year in 2015. And we played tour after tour after tour after tour, January, February, March, April, We did two West Coast tours. We did three East Coast tours. We did fests. Um, We played with different bands. We would play a show at a venue in Georgia, and we'd be like, hey, and there'd be 40 kids there, and we'd be like, hey, if you like what you see here, we're coming back next month. There's our flyer for the next show. (laughs) Right, right. And the next time, there'd be 80 kids there. And we just actually played and toured our asses off with as many bands as we could, even if they sounded different. And in 2015, it seemed like things were going pretty well, and some people were starting to take notice. And the shows were small, but we were just having a blast doing it, and it just felt right. And in the end of 2015 – um. We played a big fest in Long Island that used to be called Long Island Fest, and now it's called or was called Mixtape Fest. Mm -hmm. Um, Lifetime – no, not Lifetime. uh, The Movie Life, excuse me. The Movie Life played the show. Uh, Incendiary played the show. On Broken Wings played the show. Kill Your Idols played the show. Nice. Um, We played this gig, and it was the biggest show we'd ever played. There was probably like between 1,000 to 2,000 kids there, and we were freaking out like – just shaking, you know, like absolutely shook most people we've ever played in front of it once. And after that, um, the dude Jake Z that book that booked, um, the fest, uh, just started repping us real hard. And we got introduced to a bunch of people. Pure noise started taking notice and, uh, our friend, our good friend, will, who records our records started taking notice. And, um, Jake Z who books our band started taking notice and we sort of built this team around us of dudes that saw that we were trying our best to grind it out so hard for, you know, a couple of years. And, um, and then once that started happening, it was just a rush and pretty much for the past until this year, um, for the past, I think three four years now um at least three it's been touring at least at least eight months out of the year doing something every season um we put out our debut uh record in 2016 and we've just been touring ever since and it's kind of just been a, a rush that's been pretty consistent the whole time just f- just feeling like you're going through the motions because for me, this was like all I wanted to do the whole time. So for me, I was just like, Oh, I'm finally getting to do what I want. This is insane. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just, I, it really took a turn in 2015 when, Got it.
4: when that felt real. So pr- when, pr- when you guys were, so you were basically just like, who was booking the shows for you guys? Like were you
5: just basically uh, hustling on your own? We were hustling on our own with the help of our friend uh, Travis Porter from uh, um, from Ohio, and he was just booking us with like tours with bands that wanted to tour with us or bands from Louisville. Uh, we toured with that band No Zodiac from Chicago. Oh yeah, we toured. We toured with.
0: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away, there's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice.
2: That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away for murder by Detective Scarcella.
0: In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
2: And the Lord was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
0: Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars.
2: We never knew we had the same cop in the case. It's We got to show that he's a corrupt cop.
0: They can go f*** themselves.
2: I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden.
0: Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts
5: another mistake from Louisville. We toured with Orthodox from Tennessee. We toured with Vice from Staten Island. So like New York hardcore bands, Louisville hardcore bands, beat down bands, metalcore bands. Yeah, you didn't care. It was everything. It didn't matter. Like we just wanted to play pop pop punk shows, like fucking jump in place metalcore shows. Like it didn't, it didn't matter. Like we would just play whatever. And we've done that since. It doesn't matter what the tour is. You know, it's just like we, want to put ourselves out there as much as possible. If it means scaring people, we'll scare people. If it means <laughs> right. they like it, means they like it. If they don't, they don't. And that's just what we've done since. So um, yeah, for a couple is. years, it's just been that.
2: In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown...
4: yeah yeah no that's that's cool i mean i and honestly i think where it's like the um you, you guys are are such an interesting band from that perspective because i think in many respects like you are uh you know a gateway band now where it's like you are the first time someone gets exposed to quote unquote hardcore um yeah and it you know and from sort of a a uh you know older person you know holier than thou attitude where it's like you know i mean less hate gets sprung on you guys now than it did you know a couple years ago where it's just like oh it comes
5: in phases it's true it (laughs) comes in phases for sure it's right now right now i think we're in a cool phase i can't wait for the 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 bad phase (laughs) to come right and they come in phases and it's funny to see it happen
4: it's it's true because i think you know it's real easy for people to like poke their heads in and like you know look at you guys and be just like oh look look at these you know children, tourists and like, you know, could talk to me in a couple of years and the, I, I'm obviously being, you know, uh, you know, being that voice, even though I don't believe that personally. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I find it so interesting that, um, you know, when, when, when you are able to uh, expose the fact like, well, yeah, like we're a real band, like we've put work into this. This isn't something Yeah, that exactly. Like-
5: <laughs> it wasn't like we were, people I think have this idea that, it just happened. Like we were just created and signed, you know, like (laughs) we, like. we, like we didn't play the hardcore shows that like, we didn't play the gigs, but like, no, we actually played and toured for a pretty long time before shit started happening. And even though I get it, it like, we started playing bigger shows within like two, three years for sure. But we still grinded that whole time, you know? So right. it didn't come out of nowhere and we were around playing with bands for a minute. So,
6: yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And the, um, the, does the, uh, and this may be, you know, a very large blanket question, but like, does the, um, you know, like once business started to creep into the band where, you know, you're, you're, you know, making money at shows and, you know, signing to labels and, you know, making money off merch and stuff like that. Um, did that, I guess, you know, scare you? Are you interested in that side of the band? Is it something that, you know, you are uh, growing more comfortable over time with? Or what's your relationship with that?
5: It's it's hard. Um, it was very hard for us to deal with that. Um, not in a way that we hated it, you know, but in that it's hard when that stuff creeps into your band. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
5: when that kind of side of things creeps up, it's very it's kind of like a growing pain, you know, because I don't really enjoy the business side of it at all. It's not something that I was ever interested in. I didn't, you know, I always wanted to make a, a m- do music for a living. Like I always wanted to do that, but I was never interested in being rich, you know, or like fucking right. doing, it. I wasn't like, Oh, I want to play music to be a billionaire. I was like, Oh, I want to play music. Cause I want to play it and I want to play it in front of a lot of people because I love playing music. You know, that was what it was. So it was hard to deal with and it kind of, it, it didn't make things tough. It just, it's hard to learn that that's a side of things now. And, um, but I think that we have knocked loose has also been kind of a journey where we've all been able to grow as people and understand ourselves, uh, better and, uh, kind of learn how to work better together. And we've been able to surround ourselves with people that we trust and uh, people that we appreciate, like friends of ours that we work with. Um, So it's much more comfortable now than it was. But for a minute, it it was weird, man, Mm -hmm. because it was just like, you know, we didn't care about, you know, like we didn't, you know, dudes, it always, you know, dudes would come up to us and be like, hey, sorry, I can't pay you. And we would just always be like. Cool. Well, fuck. Fuck. That sucks. But all right. right. Sure. The show was sick. You know. <laughs> we would, right. Like we were never like, we were never like, oh fuck. We can't get a hotel now. Like like no. Like we would just. You know. We did whatever. You know. We slept in the fucking van and played shows that were sometimes cool. Sometimes there was nobody there, and that was what it was. And so when guarantees and fucking money and all this shit business stuff started getting involved. It made me and I think a couple other people in the band very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you grow into learning, you know, it's just like becoming an adult. There are certain things that you have to start doing, you know, like paying taxes or paying bills that suck at first. And then you kind of just grow to be like, Oh, okay, well, this is just how it is now. And that's just how it was for not loose. You know, there was stuff that um, we didn't know about, we didn't think about, and now they're a part of our lives, but we never dwell on it. You know, uh, it was just, it all comes back to playing music, you know, playing hardcore, playing fucking heavy shit. And that's what it's always been about. And that's what it'll always be about.
4: Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. The, um, there's also something I find, you know, equally as interesting about the way that uh, you guys carry yourselves, um, you know, frankly, as, you know, young people within the context of, of you know, the scene and hardcore in general, where, um, you know, because the easy and obvious target that most people uh you know that are whatever over the age of 27 usually say about the young kids is like oh man they got no context for what came before them and you know yeah, listen yeah to, sure. but like y- you guys have not only leaned into it because you are personally fans of this stuff but leaned into it in a way where it's like you know like clearly you don't need to wear uh disembodied shirts on stage to let a you know whatever 15 year old boy who has just been to like warp tour for the first time and saw knock loose like you know he'll see that disembodied shirt and be kind of like
5: huh that's interesting I, I might have to check that out or whatever um I mean, that, that's the point right yeah you know? <laughs> that's the that's the fucking point and there's a there's a huge conversation there right because to a lot of people there's a huge keep other people out mentality you know like that, to, you know, that's always existed. I feel like it it exists way less now than it did back then. But like, I'm sure you know about that more than anyone, you know, like there's a huge like, yeah, I don't want new kids to come into this. Like, why would I want other people to know about this thing that I have, you know, like keep new jocks out, you know, right. right. But that's the opposite of what I think should be happening it's why it's why i think bands you know that are playing out and doing shit in the hardcore scene are the fucking sickest bands you know turnstile power trip you know cruel hand when they were doing fucking cross genre stuff that shit is so sick right. like having a like what's like that's you're changing someone's life right there like they, you're you're like introducing them to something that they either fucking hate and they'll remember for the rest of their lives as being like oh that band that was yelling at me and was super scary Or they're going to fall in love with it, you know? They're going to experiment with it, and they're going to find something new. And I think that that's beautiful. Like, I think that that's fucking so cool. And, yeah, like, we wear fucking old hardcore shirts on stage. We don't do it on purpose. We do it because those are the bands that we like. And then when someone comes up to us and was like, hey – you know, I'm just getting into – it happens to me all the time. Kids come up to me saying, hey, I'm new to hardcore, man. I just like – you guys were the first hardcore band I listened to and I'm really into bands like that. I'm really into bands like, like Knock Loose and like Rotting Out and Backtrack. And I'll be like, dude, that is so sick. I also love Rotting Out and Backtrack. Here, listen to this band that Rotting Out and Backtrack came from. You know, listen to an older band, you know for like straight edge kids, you know. It it's it, it's just different bands for different people, but the, I'm I'm here and I think a lot of it has to do with where I grew up is I'm here to show and share with other people. I'm not here to be a part of a um exclusive club, you know. I'm here to be uh Inclusive, And I'm here to share with other people and knock loose is here to share with other people. We don't care who we play with. We love hardcore music. We love other music too. And we're here to teach other people and learn more ourselves about hardcore music. And that's what it's always been. And that's what it always will be It's just, it's, it's, it's a super positive, super inclusive experience. And I've always wanted to feel like that
4: sure sure well i think you know to your point too it's one of those things like if you become too insular where you are like i'll, I'll never forget hearing you know uh that band ensign like you know they played southern california a million times yep, and i saw them for sure many times but i remember the vocalist tim shaw he would always say on stage like this you know it, it's really important what happens in this room like clearly the messages that we share you know the fun that we have like yep. it's all important <laughs> But it isn't until you take that out into the real world and start to either bring more people into these rooms or by you as a person from all these values that you have learned from this particular scene or whatever, they they start to impact people in ways that you would never be able to see. And so like to your point, bringing more people into the thing and having a larger tent to, you know, uh, pull from, it isn't the fact like, Oh yeah, we want this thing, you know, cause I, I don't care. Aggressive music
5: is never going to be, you know, like Taylor Swift. Never. It will never be. yeah It's just not the thing. <laughs> no. It's not the thing. So, you know, if a band that is hardcore that still is proclaiming hardcore and representing it gets huge, like that's fucking awesome. Totally. <laughs> you know, like totally. that's not a shot thing. That's super tight, you know?
4: Right. Well I mean dude look at look at Rise Against. It's like you looking at a band like that and they
5: are It's one of my favorite bands of that ilk. Yeah. It's one literally one of my favorite bands of that type. For yeah,
4: sure. And you you go to one of their shows and you see people who are, you know, profoundly impacted by the political message that the band has, and then you have people who are just there to drink and have fun. And it's like, you know, on one hand, I'm like, oh, man, it's a bummer that, you know, not everybody is influenced on a deep, deep level by the band. But it's like, dude, they're playing to so many people and they're changing lives literally every time they play. And Yeah,
5: exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's hardcore bands that there's doing that. There's punk bands that are doing that. And I think that it's super cool when it happens in a hardcore scene in 2019. I think it's the coolest thing. So it's something that I've always loved and will always be a part of for sure.
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, and the last couple of things I want to hit on before I let you go was the, um, you seem, and you strike me as a person who, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're driven in the sense of you've always had this idea that you wanted to play music and whatever, you know, fashion that would take you'll follow, but you seem to be really, really prolific where, you know, you're writing music, constantly. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be for, you know, knock loose or inclination or whatever. Um, is that, has that always just been kind of like hardwired in you, whether it's like the worth work ethic or whether it's just really fun for you to sit there and write songs?
5: It's, it's just always been what I want to do at pretty much any given time, you know, like for sure. There are times now when I get home from a tour And for a couple of days, I'm like, yeah, I want to chill. You know, I want to watch TV, you know, as anyone would do. But man, it's just, it's always there. And it's just always, whether it's like I I want to do it or not at that specific time, it's just something I feel like I have to do. You know, it's, there's no question of if I'm going to the show or not, you know, I'm just going, you know, there's no question of if I'm starting the band or not, I'm just starting it you know, it's just always been there. It's always been what I've wanted to do. Everything seems like an opportunity, um, to do something cool. And so, uh, I've just always viewed it in that way. I've never, I've never really viewed it as a way to, um, it was never something that was like going to be done for a short period of time or something like that. It was, it was always something that I've wanted to do consistently so yeah just it's something that's always been there and maybe hardwired is the the best way to describe it but it's always been there and it's always been necessary and it's always been fun basically
4: sure (laughs) yeah you're like this is fun to sit here with my guitar and write songs like as opposed to um you know like you mentioned it at some point i'm sure that you know can feel like more of a task than other times but just the fact that it's still you know fun like that's something you can yeah
5: yeah it's always sick you know Right. i write i write i write breakdowns for a living kind (laughs) of that's like kind of a job description yeah it's like sort of and that's literally sounds like the most badass thing in the world so (laughs) right i don't i don't think that that's something that should ever be taken for granted
4: sure um (laughs) And the, the last thing I want to hit on was the fact that, like, you, um, you know, like once you get out and and start to tour and it's really exciting and you get to, you know, be in new places all the time and meet a bunch of new people and, you know, build a community, um, you know, have you felt kind of the, uh, I guess, the other uh, angle of touring of the, you know, just like missing out on relationships and kind of the struggle that it takes when you are gone so much? Um, has that been something that you've had to kind of, cope with and consider, or has that been something that, you know, you've been able to sort of balance as you get out there
5: more? Um, yeah, so it exists for sure. Uh, you know, just have like girlfriends, family, um, and being away from that amount of time. It's hard, uh, sometimes, especially for certain people. Um, for me a lot of it is being away for you know cool shows that are happening in my community um you know not being there to hang out with my friends sometimes but to be like completely i'm sure some people would say brutally honest touring is my favorite thing to do in the world okay. i appreciate every second and love every minute of it even if it sucks like it like it's, I have never, ever been like, man, this fucking sucks. I want to go home. Like, even if, even if the situation is awful, I've never been like that. And that's, that's odd because a lot of people, it's not, that's not normal. Like, I think you're supposed to want to go home sometimes. I think that that's the norm is for people to be like, Hey, you know what? The tour is cool, but I want to go home, you know? And, and that's cool. And you have to find that balance, but For me, I feel like I could be on tour 365 days, you know, and just go straight through. And I'll miss my family. I'll miss the people that I love and hang out with. But I get to see new friends and meet people that I know all over the world every day. And it feels like an adventure pretty consistently. And um, even when I was sleeping in the van, you know, and fucking sleeping in a van in the middle of fucking nowhere, driving to a show where five people would be there. Uh, it still felt like that. Like I was super stoked, uh, having that connection with people and being able to play music in front of people for a living, uh, or just playing it in general is like my favorite thing to do in the world. So, um, yeah, I've just always, I've always loved it. It's never been hard for me to do that. Um, and like I said, I'm not old, you know, I'm not at right, right, right. that point. Some people reach that point later in their lives, you know, so I can't speak for myself further down the road. But as of right now, it's like, man, this is so cool what I get to do. Like, why would I spend even a second of time that I have here in this great position thinking that I maybe want to do something else? You right. know, like that's not that's not something it, it would feel not genuine to me. So,
4: well, I I think, I I, I think to your point, I think it is one of those things where you're not, you're viewing it in a way like these are opportunities that you can't say no to. And even though that removes you from, you know, being, you know, stable at home, whatever you want to call it, you're, you're viewing it as these are opportunities where, you know, in whatever, five, 10 years, like those opportunities may not exist there. So you want to, you know, strike while the iron is hot, so to
3: speak.
5: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And exactly. Every, everything is an opportunity. And like I said, it's like work fast, work hard. If Knock Loose was to stop, there would be another thing that I would do, you know, and sure. I would work just as hard. You know, I would start from scratch. I would start from the beginning. Um, I will use whatever connection I have to do as much as I can, play for people and just have a blast. You know, that's always what it's been about. So
4: Yeah, for sure. Uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, the idea That, you know, you, I mean, clearly juggling a lot of stuff, I mean, playing an inclination and, you know, doing knock loose and all this stuff kind of, you know, coexisting, um, you know, is there, is there, I guess any aspect of your life that like music is not connected to or basically is it like, nah, that's pretty much all I
5: got. That's what I do. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just want to, yeah. Just want to make sure. Sure. That's what I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I go on tour and, I come home from tour and I write more music and I play more shows and I play in more bands and I create more music and then I go back on tour again and then make plans for the next time I'm home to do more of that. Right. Uh, (laughs) It revolves around it. I'm doing it literally 100% of the time. Um, I have stuff to do every day that has to do with it. Like it's, i i'm i was just home for about a month like about a month i had about a month to a month and a half of knock loose break time which is crazy long for us and i started like four bands and (laughs) and i finished about half of the records that i that i wanted to so i'm already making plans for when i'm back next time to keep going um and yeah, I'm always looking for opportunities to keep doing more stuff and keep getting out there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool to be able to say that I am where I am right now. And, uh, I'm super stoked about it because I think music is literally the only thing that I do. Uh, and that's all I want for right now. So,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: (laughs) No, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's just fun because you can pour not only your youthful enthusiasm, but you can pour you can pour the you know the ideas that you can implement towards all this, and like it gives you the ability to you know yeah to start four bands and you know write different styles of of heavy music and stuff like that. And um, I how do your uh, I promise this is the last thing, but you know how do your
6: no,
5: how, uh, how do you, let me let me cut you off real quick. I am not doing anything else so if you want to punish me about anything else i will I will talk for another hour about whatever you want to talk about
4: so no just, i i just putting
5: that out there i I appreciate that <laughs> I
4: promise this this will be the last thing, but just the the notion of the um like, you know, where, where your parents sit with the, the views of, you know, what the, 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 life that you've built so far, just like, you know, completely centered around music. And like you say, your parents are incredibly supportive and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, like how you, I, I presume your mom and dad have like come to your shows and like, you know, is your younger brother, like, is he influenced at all by, you know, punk and hardcore and stuff like that? Just, you know, where, where does that
5: yeah. all end up? Uh, my little brother used to come to shows when he was, uh, uh, a basically when i was in high school uh he used to come to shows with me and my dad sometimes and he was into it just like we were we, he would like he would mosh and do all this stuff and he would like stage dive and do all this cool shit he went another route eventually like he he grew out of it you know he was like he's like a huge sports guy now he's like going to college he's uh doing sports stuff he's in another state right now um but yeah, he's still fucking sick. He's just he didn't he he stopped going to shows, uh, which is totally cool. He no, just he's just dude. He's
4: a, no, he's a total poser, dude. I'm just kidding. Yeah, oh <laughs>
5: for sure. Yeah, dude, fake, <laughs> fake as fuck. Um, but yeah, he's done doing his own thing. Uh, my mom and my dad just kind of they come to shows when they can, and but they kind of just watch me go. <laughs> you know, they they don't they have always been like, Oh yeah, well he's doing that. So, you know, and I've been lucky enough to kind of forge my own path and, you know, make my own decisions and kind of lead my own, lead my own way. Uh, but they've been there 100% of the way. And if I knew that I, if I needed help at any point, they would be here to help. But, uh, yeah, I've been kind of, I've been kind of lucky enough to kind of, you know find my own way and you know kind of lead my own life so to speak and have them just support me but from a distance where they get to watch it happen and they've always been extremely proud and extremely happy for me and that's like more than I could ever ask for so
4: yeah totally yeah cuz their uh, parents can uh, understand to a certain extent but like you know it, they're they're not going to, you know, I mean, your dad is, you know, clearly not the best example because he dove into it with you pretty head first, but like no parents are going to all of a sudden be like, well, every time you play a local
5: show, I'll come out. I will come oh, out. It's like, yeah, no, I'm there, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, moshing for sure.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's, but it's just cool that you've been able to, you know, see, uh, or to have, like you said, that support system in order for your parents to be able to, you know, Support you, yeah. not understand completely what it is that you're doing, but at the same time, be like, "All right, that's good." Like, you know, you got, you got, you got an apartment, you got a girlfriend, you got, you know, like all the the nuts and bolts. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> absolutely, okay. and that's exactly what it is. It's just they're here, they're supportive, they're happy. Uh, you know, they're trying to make sure I am uh, not just lying in a ditch somewhere, and that I'm good. Right. Uh, but I spend so much time doing my own thing that they. Uh, you know, a lot of times they kind of feel like they're just watching stuff happen, but um, I try to keep them as included as a po- as possible because I'm super appreciative of them and uh, I think that they know that and they're uh, they're here for me all the time and it's super, super you know, humbling and awesome. So, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better situation.
4: Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, I, I Isaac, I really appreciate you hanging out. This has been really fun for me, so thanks for, of course, uh, thanks for sharing all the stuff you did
5: likewise thank you man appreciate
0: it oh
3: boy that was a great conversation right i just um there's something about that useful you know passion and invigoration like you know i recognize that in myself where you know my passion is definitely still there for a lot of the things that i cared about but just like you know, when you see it just all red hot and piping, it's it's really exciting. And I actually got to meet Isaac in person when they came through on tour recently, like I mentioned a couple episodes ago. And, uh, yeah, it was a great, great human-to-human connection. And he uh, thanked me profusely for doing this interview. So thank you, Isaac, for coming on the show. And thank you to uh, Austin, the PR person, who helped set this all up. What I got next week is another uh, – like this was a pretty um, – I don't know. It just got real deep, real quick, and I loved it. So it's with Jay Pepito, who sang for Reign Supreme, and he also plays bass in a really, really cool hardcore band called End. Um, Jay just was was really ready to kind of you know audit himself and put a lot of uh, you know onus and responsibility on the way that uh, you know he treated people in the past. And it wasn't really necessarily something that I was like looking to mine. I just met him, you know, maybe a year and a half or so ago. We uh, played some shows together. He was a great person, and I really enjoyed connecting with him. And so I was like, yeah, why don't you come on the show? And so I could tell that he was a little hesitant initially. He was excited to do it. But then once we got into it, it was uh, wow, it was really, really good. So that's what we got next week. And, um, yeah, hopefully next week I'll also be able to, uh, share some positive news with all of you. Okay. So please keep me in your thoughts and prayers and whatever it is that you do. But, um, yeah, I appreciate your continued support on this, uh, this weird journey that we are on called life. So until then, please be safe, everybody. Special shout-out to SiriusXM because they offer commercial-free music, plus sports, talk, comedy, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com slash words to see the offer details and to subscribe. That's SiriusXM, S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M dot com slash words. The offer is available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Okay, now for real. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
2: Hey, Miles. Yes. It's Jack from work. Yes, hi. Did you know that we host a daily news and culture podcast where people can go to get caught up on what is happening?
5: Are you,
0: yes. Are you confused about that? You're talking about the Daily Zeitgeist. I just wanted show to that make we do sure day.
2: you knew and that everybody knew that you could listen to us every day, twice a day, talk about what is happening, and they could learn everything without feeling the life drain from their soul.
0: Yeah, I think at the Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening.
2: So guys, listen to the Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free.
6: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
1: Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary... What's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
2: It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show.
1: Hey!
2: Angela E. is kind of like the big sister that always pokes <laughs> you in the
1: forehead. <laughs>